You are listening to the Lima Community Church Podcast. The following was recorded at Lima Community Church of the Nazarene in Lima, Ohio. My name is Justin Lewis, and I'm the interim youth director here at Lima Community. And um, when I was asked to speak uh, on this weekend, I, I asked Brad if teens could participate in like every aspect of the service, and he loved that idea. So you may have noticed as you were coming in this morning, there were some teens greeting. Um, we had teens hosting, obviously, and there were a lot of teens in the band. And um, did you appreciate seeing the teens in the service this morning? Yeah, right? And you know, um, just to, just to uh, also, also give some credit where it's due, uh, you don't see Jacob appear today, but Jacob Brunk is actually leading our, our open house um, for the teens over in the Axis, and him and Tova do an awesome job of helping us. Tova helps the, the, the youth band and, and helps uh, lead that, and I, I am really thankful for their help too, so I don't know if they're in here, but um, thank you, Jacob and Tova, and um, yeah. You know what? It makes God happy to see the teens up here too because they're the next generation of pastors and teachers and greeters and band members, right? Yeah, amen. Just to uh, add on to what Will said, Will gave a great announcement about Tuesday night. Um, I had the opportunity to meet with Andre um, this past week and we, we were able to do lunch and it's, it's pretty special, the opportunity that we have there. And so we wanted to open that up to the whole church. Typically Tuesday night is uh, for young adults only. And um, it will go back to that after this week. But this week only, we want to open it up to everybody. Um, they had a pretty limited schedule, and we were trying to schedule them as much as possible throughout the district. And so our, our church's turn happened to come on the Tuesday night, and so we were, we were gr- glad to open it up to everybody. Andre was pastoring a church in Kiev, and um, Russia invaded, and he told me that he had about 60 people in, in this small church. And when Russia invaded, he had three people left in his church. And um, many had just fled and were refugees. And so he has been devoting his time to driving refugees in and out, bringing supplies in to those who need it. Um, He has stayed there in Kyiv. And um, he's within the age range where you're not allowed to leave Ukraine. And so he had to get special permission from the government to come. And because of his mission with helping refugees, they gave him permission to come. So if that's something that interests you and you would like to hear more from them, feel free to join us on Tuesday night. We would love to see you there in the Axis. All right. So our new sermon series is called Sunday School Stories. And this morning we're gonna look at two stories that are very similar. In fact, they're so much alike that many times they get thought of as the same story. And you'll see later why. So why does Matthew specifically put these two stories that are so alike, almost back to back in his gospels? If you grew up in church, you probably learned these stories in Sunday school. Um, the first story comes to us from Matthew chapter 14. And before we read the actual verse, I just want to give a little background so we know what's going on. Jesus has just received the news that his good friend and cousin, John the Baptist, has been killed. And that's kind of the backdrop to what we are going to read here. So Matthew chapter 14, we're going to start in verse 13. When Jesus heard what had happened... John being killed, he withdrew by boat privately to a solitary place. Hearing of this, the crowds followed him on foot from the towns. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them and healed their sick. As evening approached, the disciples came to him and said, this is a remote place and it's already getting late. 
Send the crowds away so they can go to the villages and buy themselves some food. Jesus replied, they do not need to go away. You give them something to eat. We have here only five loaves of bread and two fish, they answered. Bring them here to me, he said. And he directed the people to sit down on the grass, taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke the loaves. Then he gave them to the disciples and the disciples gave them to the people. They all ate and were satisfied. And the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. The number of those who ate was about 5,000 men besides women and children. How many of you know what a flannel, a flannel graph is? Can I see your hands? Yeah, do you remember those? <laughs> For those of you who don't know what that is, a flannel graph is a large piece of felt um, with a scenic background. And then you would take characters made out of material and you could place them on the background. Essentially, it's a storyboard that Sunday school teachers often use to help illustrate the Bible stories. I remember learning about this exact story as a little kid from a flannel graph. And as I was searching for an image, a Google image to show you all a flannel graph, I actually saw the image that I remembered in my mind from this story. And so I'm just going to show you that. Some of you might also remember this if, if you grew up in Sunday school and they had a flannel graph, right? I think it's the Gospel John that tells us the disciples found the, the loaves and the fish with a small boy, right? Matthew doesn't include that in the story we just read. But there you see the small boy with his lunchbox and uh, yeah. And yeah, it, by the way, if you have kids that have come through our nursery or are currently in our nursery, they will know exactly what I'm talking about because Miss Christie still uses a flannel graph to teach the Bible stories to our kids. And I must say, I, I was shocked when I started thinking about some of the stories I remember from the flannel graph. So I think it's a pretty effective method, right? <laughs> okay, back to our story. Imagine that you've just lost a close friend and you get the news and you just wanna be alone. Maybe, maybe find a quiet place where you can cry, pray, to grieve. But when you arrive at your solitary place that you found, there's a huge crowd there waiting to see you. I don't know about you, but when I've just received terrible news, the last thing I wanna deal with is a huge crowd, all wanting to talk to me, right? But this is exactly what happens to Jesus. He's just found out that his friend and cousin has died and he goes off to be alone to grieve and a huge crowd finds out where he's going and, and beats him there, right? But Jesus, instead of sending them away, he has compassion on them and he heals their sick. Jesus chooses to allow his compassion to take precedent over his personal grief. I think that's the first miracle in the story. <laughs> I don't know that I could do this, right? He chooses to allow his compassion for the people to take front and center seat and he pushes his personal grief, um, puts it, places it to the side until he can deal with it. And then his disciples say, hey, we're in the middle of nowhere out here because <laughs> you wanted to be alone, right? <laughs> and the people are hungry. We have to send them away so they can go to town and buy food. This is his out, right? That's what I would be thinking. Yeah, send them away to go buy food so that I can be alone, please. <laughs> but this is not Jesus's response. Instead, Jesus says, well, if they're hungry, let's feed them. The gospel of John tells us that at this point, Philip, the, the, the disciple speaks up and he says, it would take eight months wages to feed this many people. <laughs> 
The Bible says there were 5,000 men besides women and children. And so many scholars believe that there could have been as many as 15,000 people on this hillside. And Jesus says, what food do you have? Uh, Lord, all we could find were these five loaves and two fish. So Jesus takes the bread and the fish and he looks up to heaven and he gives thanks. And then he breaks the bread and he hands it back to the disciples to pass out to the people. And they never run out of food. In fact, there's so much food that they have to collect the leftovers. <laughs> this is a huge miracle. Interestingly, this is the only miracle of Jesus to appear in all four gospels. There are, um, obviously the resurrection all, is a miracle that also appears in all four gospels. But as far as a miracle that Jesus physically performed, um, there's many stories of him healing blind, but they're not all connected in the same blind person in each gospel. This is a big deal. This is a huge miracle. And each gospel writer felt important enough to include this story. But for a moment, let's place ourselves in the disciples' position. Jesus says, what do you have? And you're like, man, all we got is five loaves and two fish and we're looking at 15,000 people on this hillside, right? How many times do we feel like what we have to offer God is inadequate or even worthless? What if Jesus asked us, what do you have to offer? Would you feel like it was enough, like it was adequate? How many times do we think all I have to give is this small amount of food or this limited amount of time or this tiny amount of money or this amateur ability to play music or this gift to work with children or to change diapers, right? It's nothing. It's, I don't even see how it's useful to you, God. And we think what we have to offer is pitiful compared to the needs of the community. But Jesus takes whatever you have to offer. And if you'll give it to him, He'll take it, lift it up to his father, bless it, and then he'll give it back to you so that you can share it with those in need around you. If you'll give it to him, he'll multiply it. And suddenly what you had to offer goes way further than you could have ever imagined. What is it that you have to offer? Are you giving it to Jesus? Just 40 verses after the feeding of the 5,000, Matthew gives us a second story, and it's called the feeding of the 4,000. <laughs> so in chapter 15, just 40 verses later, we're going to read beginning in verse 29. And the question is, yeah, we'll read it first. Jesus left there and went along the Sea of Galilee. Then he went up on a mountainside and sat down. Great crowds came to him, bringing the lame, the blind, the crippled, the mute, many others, and laid them at his feet, and he healed them. The people were amazed when they saw the mute speaking, the crippled made well, the lame walking, and the blind seeing, and they praised the God of Israel. Jesus called his disciples to him and said, I have compassion for these people. They have already been with me three days and have nothing to eat. I do not want to send them away hungry, or they may collapse on the way. His disciples answered, where could we get enough bread in this remote place to feed such a crowd? How many loaves do you have, Jesus asked. Seven, they replied, and a few small fish. He told the crowd to sit on the ground. Then he took the seven loaves and the fish. And when he had given thanks, he broke them, gave them to the disciples, and they in turn to the people. They all ate and were satisfied. 
Afterward, the disciples picked up seven basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. The number of those who ate was 4,000 beside women and children. After Jesus had sent the crowd away, he got into the boat and went to the vicinity of Magadan. So why does Matthew give us two stories that are so similar back to back? Before we explore that question, I want to show you something. We read two fairly long stories of scripture today, and I'm about to test your retention skills, all right? I'm going to invite the Bible quizzers to join us on the stage. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Twyla Berkey leads our quizzing ministry, and she's going to be our acting quiz master today. Thank you, Twyla, for doing this. Twyla is going to ask questions from our, our text today. So all the questions are going to come from the verses we read today in the service, okay? So here's what I want you to do. I want you to play along from your seat. I want you to see how you stack up against our quizzers, okay? So I want you to see if you can beat them, right? That's the goal here. See if you can defeat them and, and get the answers before they do. Is that fair? Okay. <laughs> so let's get started. Question number one is going to be an according to question. Question number one, question. According to Matthew chapter 14, verse 13, how did the crowds follow Delaney? How did the crowds follow Jesus um, from the towns on foot? That's correct. Good job. <laughs> question number two is a reference question. Question number two. Question, finish this verse and give the reference. Great crowds, Amy. Great crowds came to him, bringing the lame, the blind, the crippled, the mute, and many others, and laid them at his feet, and he healed them. Matthew chapter 15, verse 30. Perfect. Good job, Amy. <laughs> question number three is a general question. Question number three, question, who were amazed when they saw the Finish, Noah. Who were amazed when they saw um, the mute speaking, the, um, the crippled made well, the lame walking, and the blind seeing, the people. That's right. Good job, Noah. <laughs> question number four is a general question. Question number four, question, who do not need to go up, Ella? To go away. The crowds? That's correct. Nice work. Third person bonus for your team, guys. Good job. Question number five is an according to question. Question number five. Question. According to Matthew chapter 14, verse 14, whom did Jesus heal? Rose? The sick. That's correct. Good job. Fourth person bonus. Nice work. Question number six is a situation question. Question number six. Question. Situation question. Who said it? To whom? And in reply to what? How many loaves do you have? Will? Jesus said it to the disciples in reply to um, where are we, how are we going to get enough bread to feed such a crowd? That's correct. Good job, Will. Question number seven is a general question. Question number seven. Question. Who told the crowd to sit? Finish, Samantha. Uh, who, told, who told the crowd to sit on, like, the grass? Uh, Jesus. 
He did. Good job. Good job. Third person bonus for your team. Good job, guys. Question number eight is an according to question. Question number eight. Question. According to Matthew chapter 14, verse 19, where did he look? Samantha? To heaven. That's right. Job. Nice job. Question number nine is a general question. Question number nine. Question. Who picked up 12 baskets? Delaney finish? Uh, who picked up 12 basketballs of broken pieces that were left over? Uh, the disciples. They did. Good job. And question number 10, our final question for this morning, is a context question. Question number 10. Question. In Matthew chapter 15, how many basketfuls of broken? Finish, Jeremiah. Bread were left. Seven. That's correct. Nice job. And that, folks, is quizzing in a nutshell. <laughs> Thank you, guys. Yeah. Give it up for our quizzes. <laughs> Many of our quizzers memorize entire chapters and even entire books of the Bible um, so that they can quiz. Isn't that awesome? So how did you do? Did anybody feel like they beat the quizzers? You did? Okay. <laughs> yeah, it's a great opportunity for discipleship, right? And what a great way for them to learn the word of God. All right. So why does Matthew place these two stories that are so similar back to back? To understand this, it helps to know some context. Now, what was that they did? I don't know. I'd have missed that. I don't know their, their secret signal there for context questions, but... We're gonna look at a little bit of context, okay? So this area that they're in is this in the Sea of Galilee, and I have a map to show you. At the northern end of the sea, you'll see the area marked Galilee. It's kind of gold. That's at the northern end. And this is where Jesus spent a lot of his time doing ministry and performing miracles. This is where he called his disciples to follow him. This area was known as the Land of the Twelve. It was called the Land of the Twelve because this area was almost exclusively Jewish. And, and there were 12 tribes of Israel, right? They called themselves the original 12. Did you hear that? <laughs> they were the original 12, <laughs> meaning they're, they're not allowing any posers, right? And they were very religious and very strict with their religion. Now, the area to the south of the Sea of Galilee was known as the Decapolis. You'll see that in kind of purple. And not all the cities are on this map, but the reason it was called the Decapolis is because there were 10 cities that were established by Alexander the Great when he came through and he made all of these cities Greek. And so if we step back in time to the Old Testament, when the Israelites are about to enter the promised land, this area, right? We're just gonna read a verse of Moses giving instructions to the people as they're about to enter the promised land. And listen to this. This is Deuteronomy 7 verse one. When the Lord your God brings you into the land you're entering to possess and drives out before you many nations, the Hittites, the Girgashites, the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, the Jebusites, seven nations larger and stronger than you. That, that phrase, seven nations larger and stronger than you, came to represent the pagans. And so for the, the world of the Jewish people, they thought of this area of the Decapolis as the land of the seven. 
And they called it that because the people inhabiting those cities were descendants from the seven nations in Deuteronomy, right? And so they saw them as pagan. And those in the land of the seven, they worshiped false gods. They worshiped the Greek pantheon of gods, right? So it was known as the land of the seven. So Jesus feeds 5,000 in the land of the 12 on the north side of the lake. And then he crosses the lake to the south and he feeds 4,000 in the land of the seven. So these two stories that appear very close in proximity actually happen in a very, very different regions, right? And, and Mark tells us that Jesus gets in a boat and goes to the area of the Decapolis. And that's how we know the feeding of the 4,000 takes place across the lake. Now, as a religious Jew, you didn't want to be seen in the land of the seven. Rabbis certainly didn't go there, let alone teach there. So this was very unusual. And in the gospels, Jesus doesn't really go around saying to everybody, hey, I'm the Messiah, come follow me, right? He doesn't just advertise that. He does communicate that, but he uses subtle ways. And typical of rabbis, he taught using pictures, right? What a, just like the flannel graph, what a great way to learn, <laughs> pictures. So in our first story, Jesus is in the land of the 12. He feeds 5,000 people. And let's test your, your quizzing ability. How many baskets of food are left over? Does anyone remember? 12, I heard over here, that's correct. 12 baskets. Could it be that Jesus is trying to say something here in an image? Could he be saying, I'm the one you've been waiting for? I'm the promised Messiah. I'm coming to the 12 tribes of Israel. And I come to heal and provide for you. And then in our second story, he crosses the Sea of Galilee to the land of the seven and he feeds 4,000 people. And how many baskets of food are left? Seven, yes, you're on it. <laughs> and Mark tells us something very interesting. It says that the people praised the God of Israel. That's significant because they worshiped the Greek pantheon of gods. And so they're praising the God of Israel because they recognize, obviously this man has come from, from Yahweh, right? But they're not necessarily Jewish. Could it be that Jesus is saying, yes, I came to the land of the 12, but I also came for the land of the seven? to the pagans, to those who have no position, no heritage, no right to any of this. I came for them too. In the first century, this would have been revolutionary. Rabbis didn't cross to the land of the seven. It would have been unbelievable to his disciples that Jesus came for the Gentiles. But let's look at what takes place as they're leaving this area. In the very next chapter, Matthew 16, they get in the boat and they're going across the lake and Jesus has this conversation and we're gonna read this. Matthew 16, verse five. When they went across the lake, the disciples forgot to take bread. Be careful, Jesus said to them, be on your guard against the yeast of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. They discussed this among themselves and said, it is because we didn't bring any bread. Go easy on the disciples. We have the benefit of 2000 years of hindsight, right? <laughs> They said, it's because we didn't bring any bread. Aware of their discussion, Jesus says, you of little faith, why are you talking amongst yourselves about having no bread? Do you still not understand? Don't you remember the five loaves for the 5,000s and how many baskets you gathered? How many? 12, good. Do you, where's the, oh, or the seven loaves for the 4,000s and how many baskets you gathered? Seven. <laughs> how is it you don't understand that I was not talking to you about bread? But be on your guard against the yeast of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. 
Then they understood that he was not telling them to guard against the yeast used in bread, but against the teaching of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Some of the Pharisees and all of the Sadducees taught that the Gentiles had no place in the kingdom of God. So much so that they tried to exclude them from being able to worship in the temple. They filled the Gentile court with a market so that they couldn't worship. So when Jesus says, watch out for their teaching, could he be saying, don't exclude what God has chosen to include? Think of the metaphor of yeast. Just a tiny bit of yeast will work through the whole batch of dough. If someone starts teaching the doctrine of exclusion, it will spread to the whole community. Let me say that again. If someone starts teaching the doctrine of exclusion, it will spread to the whole community. This is an amazing warning to us because everywhere you look in our culture today, you see groups of people teaching doctrines of exclusion. But Jesus teaches a doctrine of inclusion. Jesus shows up and says, those with a bad history, the sick, the blind, the messed up, the ones that have a past without God, they can choose to be a part of my kingdom because I came for them too. Is that a good word today? Would you stand with me in closing? I would, I'm curious, which land do you resonate with? Do you resonate with the land of the 12 or the land of the seven? Maybe you're here and you're thinking, you know, I didn't grow up in church. I didn't, I didn't get to go to Sunday school and hear these stories. I've never, I don't, I don't know the Bible like that. I, and maybe you feel like you have nothing to offer God. I'm here to tell you this morning that Jesus came for you. And if you'll offer him what you have, he will take it and he'll bless it. And then he'll give it back to you so that you can share it with those in your community who need. Maybe you're here and you resonate more with the land of the 12. You say, I grew up in church. I was blessed to be a part of a Christian home. I grew up in Sunday school. I've heard these stories. I have a challenge for you as well. Have you given everything to Jesus? Jesus is asking us, just like he asked the disciples, what do you have to give? And what we have to give is not enough. It is insufficient. But if you'll give it to Jesus, he'll take it and bless it and then give it back to you. And as you share it with those around you, he mysteriously multiplies it in ways we could never imagine. As we pray, um, I just want you to ponder this question. What, is, what do I have to give? And as we pray, maybe the Holy Spirit will nudge you and point out things and you'll know immediately, it's called conviction. You'll know the area of, the, of something maybe you've been holding back from God that he's asking you to give so that he can bless it and give it back to you so that you can use it for the kingdom. So as we pray, if you're here, no matter which land you're from, the 12 or the seven, if it's your desire to give what you have to Jesus, as we pray, just lift your hands with me. Just hold your hands out like you're offering something to Jesus. And let's just listen to the Holy Spirit as he points out what it is in our life that, he, that we've been holding onto that he wants us to give to him. And I'm just gonna allow a couple minutes of silence for the Holy Spirit to show you in your life what it is you have to give.
Father, so many times we feel like what we have to offer is inadequate and it's pitiful. We feel like we have five loaves and two fish and there's 15,000 people to feed. But God, help us have the courage to give it to you, to trust you with it. God, we offer what we have to you. It's yours. Take it, use it, multiply it for your kingdom. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let me close with just a word of benediction. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we could ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, now and throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Go in his peace today. Thank you for listening. For more information about our church, visit limacommunitychurch.com.